Welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast. I'm Kyle Chernside, um, resident other guy on the show. I'm joined <laughs> by Michael Lawrence and my friend Chris. And tonight we are going to have a boys' night out. Boys' night out, gentlemen. Boys' night out. Party. I am celebrating with a box of Cheez-Its. Chris Leonard and I just fixed dinner for an entire families, and now we're sitting down to do a podcast. <laughs> this should be the answer. We're not hungry, so that's probably the only time food's going to come up. So Kyle, I, Kyle yeah, you, haven't, you haven't done radio before because you definitely didn't hit the post on that. I did, did not. not. I did not hit the post. <laughs> like I said, top, top in my broadcast market is going to be um, – skating rink dj guy or <laughs> couple skate couple skate yeah if you can't couple reverse skate, skate reverse skate please enjoy our snack bar kyle you could also be the announcer from halos like triple kill killtacular you know that guy oh the, yeah uh, i yeah, do rampage or whatever i now i've i've just revealed to the halo playing listeners that we have that i don't play multiplayer <laughs> because oh. i don't think i don't think any of those phrases are actually nope. <laughs> they are not i played a uh, online halo once and i was like over it and then that's right around the town that call of duty kind of took over so yeah i've been playing a lot of the new modern warfare so i've been playing the uh, they did a remastered one um the modern warfare remastered because i kind of grew up on the original one and yeah, um, it's funny with the remasters you go back and they've like you know new high res textures and new lighting and the graphics are just way better, and it's sort of like that's how I remembered the original looking, you know. <laughs> and then I went, I went and put the original on. I looked like garbage. <laughs> yep. New maps and everything. So the one of the last tours I did, I did a, a fill in thing for All Time Low, and it's right when Fortnite was hot, like oh, yeah. super hot, and. It was it was kind of interesting to watch those dudes in their free time fight over the dressing room controllers. Like, I don't think I even <laughs> got to play it once, but every time I went in the dressing room, it was like Fortnite from the time we loaded in till. I mean, you could you could walk in and take a shower at any time during the day because all those dudes were just playing Fortnite. That's so it. I. I wasn't a gamer, but uh, on one tour, I was I was on. We had an Xbox in the back, and uh, I remember we had like this MMA game at the time. Uh, it was probably like two thousand, like I don't know, eight, nine, something like that. I can't remember. Anyway, and um, and so like we're playing a match before the before the show starts. We're at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, and uh, and so um, I, I you know I I don't know I got everyone else. I got off the bus. Uh, I'm getting ready to come off the bus, and I go to open the door, and the door won't open. I'm like shit. So I'm like, you know, uh, you know, the the lock had been kind of fidgety on the tour bus that 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 tour, and um, mind you, like I radio in for help. I'm like, hey guys, like I'm I'm locked in the bus. And they're like, what do you mean locked? I'm like I can't get out of the bus, and there's no windows big enough to fit a human out of a tour bus, right? <laughs> And meanwhile, like the sun is beaming in the front of the tour bus. The show's about to start in about five minutes. So like they're on the outside trying to open it up and they can't get it to open. So I pull out my Leatherman and I start undoing the screws on the inside of the door and pulled pulled open the panel. The inside of the tour bus was able to unlatch it and run in and get in time for the show. So I stopped playing video games after that. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's nerve wracking. And and anything that happens with the door is the bus driver's worst nightmare. Like 
the dude won't talk the entire tour until you mess up his door. (laughs) I have have pictures. I'll dig it up and send to you guys. But, like, pictures, like, the whole door just, like, opened up. It was the only way I was going to get out of this bus, short of, like, pulling, like, one of the emergency latches to get out of the bus. But there's no – it it didn't occur to me until that point that I cannot fit through any of these windows of this tour bus. (laughs) Oh, man. So many jokes going through my head right now. But, (laughs) um, (laughs) dude – Seriously, bus driver, you won't hear from a bus driver the whole tour, and then all of a sudden there'll be someone cussing in the deepest Alabama accent ever about their door the next morning. Holy cow. Uh, Don't break this stuff, man. It's expensive. Come on. Yeah, the doors are insane for bus drivers. Like, that's the only thing they get to stare at all day is like the road <laughs> and the door that we come into. Yep, it's still, it's not broken yet. Okay, we're everybody's good. <laughs> so we we tossed around the idea tonight doing um, another art of mixing, huh? Yeah, because you know, it's I had I had some thoughts about it, and I kind of wanted to bounce them off you. And and so uh, let me just say, let me jump in with this. You know, my my buddy David and I, he's also a system tech, and a lot of times we end up mixing shows, and he usually ends up behind a monitor console, and I usually end up in front of house. Although sometimes that's transposed, and Neither of us are mix wizards. We're not. We're not. You know, your your Bufords. We're not your Jim Yaks. Um, and so we get by. You know, we get a passable result. But the thing that allows us to have success is we we use the system tech approach every step of the way. From like which wedges we're using, which PA, how it's designed, the angles of bleed. You know, the front fills, the 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 you know the low frequency bleed off the monitors. I mean, everything we do is sat down and reasoned through and thought out and planned and. Mic choice, mic placement. We get to the point where we actually have to mix. We don't have to do much because we've paid so much attention to all the other things along the way, and that allows us to turn out good sounding mixes without having to be kind of you know real good hot shot mix engineers because we're not. Yeah. Um, it's and kind so, of a lap of luxury too, in a way. I mean, uh-huh. a lot of the even when we've talked to previous guests, like the they always mention the festival show, you know, yeah. and. That's where mercenary, or as Steve Guest put it, you know, is throwing the meatball up in the air. Yeah. Um, that that just comes with time, you know. That's one mm-hmm. of those things that we've talked about before too, Michael. It's like you walk up to a desk, and especially in your room, like your room, you're you're the king of your room. It, it, right. So it becomes easier. But then when you start jumping elsewhere, like you're talking about, wow, the lap of luxury to be able to sit there and go in and tune your front fills. Like sometimes you have to send somebody up there to listen to them for you. And you're like, right. uh, who do I pick? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, what, that's <laughs> right. So that's kind of what's interesting about this conversation to me is that, you know, I, I am coming from a situation where whenever possible, I have my thumb on as many of the variables as I can. And you, a lot of the stuff that you've worked on, you just are thrown into a room and there's a rig there and you have to just mix on it. And so it's sort of the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And so, you know, what, what is, what's your, when you have to start building a mix, I mean, how are you, how are you doing that? What's your, what's your strategy? Um, definitely want to listen to it first. Like, um, in, in the case that we can just walk in and do what we want, like, yeah, dude, take the time to listen to it. Like I got some friends on Facebook now that are putting together, um, a sound checks playlist, you know, Mm. what the sound guy listens to. And I think that's super relative. I mean, it's cool to find other people's tracks and stuff like that, but, 
um, usually the tracks you're going to play are things that you know what they sound like on a multitude right. of systems. You've listened to them before. I mean, some people are picky. You know, they need good quality files. Some of us aren't so picky. You know, I, I'll play an MP3 because I kind of like the the shite in there that I'm trying to get rid of. You know, um, if I know it's there, then it's inherent, and I I just mix or or EQ around it or whatever. Um, and and then there's the festival show you know you got to go out and listen to the band before you you got to you mm. got to be on site you know uh and repetitiveness like when when i build a mix um and this was one of the questions that i asked howard page it's like do you use reference monitors do you use headphones and that can go either way as well like i don't you like using the reference monitors because um like I said, I'm more like a skating rink DJ where I'll put one <laughs> one ear up, you know, and then listen to the room with the other ear, basically trying to find problems and parts and seeing if what I'm listening to is linear in my headphones. Because sometimes, hey, man, I might bring my own desk yeah. uh, and I have another PA and... I know it's hard to believe, but most rooms that you don't walk into don't have Michael Lawrence working there. And <laughs> so you kind of got to play mercenary audio or meatball audio. It's like, oh man, what's this going to do? Um, I usually build my mix, depends on what I'm mixing. Like if I was just doing a metal band, I'd make sure that my drums and my guitar were there, you know, and then ease in my vocals and bass after a bit. But um and I try not to use, if we're doing festival style, I try not to use the channel strip the way the guy was before. I'll flatten everything back out as quick as possible and, you know, just make sure gains are there and then start ripping, you know? Um, so when you were out with, with Fall Out Boy, you started on a big old, was it a Midas, analog Midas desk you had out there? Yeah, man. Um, well, the first few gigs, I didn't get to pick my stuff, you know, right, and right. and that was the tail end of them coming off Matchbook Romance and Lesson Jake. And it was like, it was what it was. They weren't cool enough to ask for stuff yet. And I, by that time in my career, I was already kind of completely happy to walk into a crappy club rig and make it rip. You know, that is one of the things like uh, Steve Guest said in the last one was, you know, taking your time i need to be able to walk up and measure stuff and get things going like i didn't have that and mm -hmm. it, it's quick um i don't know and then yeah i jumped on an xl4 so having that desk every night changed my life like holy cow i mean i think as a, a live engineer and chris you could probably jump in on this one as well if you walk into a gig and you see like an old midas or an old gamble or a harrison which you're not going to run into too many of like you're like oh this is gonna be a dope gig this is gonna be yeah. okay <laughs> yeah yeah sure man um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, uh, I think the one thing that you would, uh, when you're talking about zero out the channel strips, though, I know for me, uh, like high pass filters, obviously, right? Yeah, so, man. like, if, if nothing else, you know, high pass filter and go, you know. But you can at least you know by looking at your input list where to set your high pass filter as a framework. And if nothing else, you know, gain structure and high pass filter, you should be able to get ninety percent there. Yeah, man. And I'm always on deck setting on my microphones, whether I'm using mine or the houses or whoever, so I can take a look and go, oh. I got a 1992 AKG D112 on the kick drum today or you know oh I, I I have my own D6 and a 91 or like that way I see what's going in front of all my stuff and I I see 
younger folk lacking on that. Like when I was out on warp tour, dude, there was front of house kids for bands that were out that that dude would never go to the stage. Like the rat guys or the techs would set it up on stage and they just stand out in front of house and wait for the old kick drum, please. Um, And I think you miss out on a lot when you don't know what's going in front of your cabinet. You don't know if it's on the cone, right? You don't know if you're using condenser mics because you're not using phantom power at front of house, you know, so you can't look at your desk and make that determination by the time you're just standing there. Or simply taking a flashlight and looking in the grill of a speaker, you know, of, of, a, of a guitar cabinet and making sure you're actually pointing the microphone at a driver and not like the, the wood behind it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Sim- simple things like that that can almost stop you from getting your mix started, you know. At least you can go through and hopefully the monitor guy's there and can see the microphones working in, at that desk before you have to make the journey through the crowd, the sweaty kids yeah. or whatever. I mean, isn't there like a mental expectation there when you go like, okay – it's a you know it's a 22 inch kick drum and it's got a 52a on it and so i mean i i have a pretty good idea of what i can expect to come down that snake channel now be based yeah. on those things you know what i mean and then so if i put that fader up and it doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like my mental expectation i think that's your idea that okay hold on let's let's figure out what's going on here and and so you know let's let's head that stuff off before we get into the show you know yeah, stuff I think about that I don't think about is one, definitely drums. And I'm glad you brought that up because I remember Chris saying on an episode a long time ago, you know, he works at a church. So it's the same drum kit, but different drummers. Hmm. So do you really know what to expect out of that 52A? And that was like when we were renting Backline, you know, some, the best kit in Buenos Aires is this, you know, 1970 Slinger Lynn. Oh, awesome. It's a great kit maybe not for outside, maybe not for fallout boy. So I, I, I always work very closely one with my drum tech and, and two with drums. Cause I think from the high pass filter gain thing, you can rip drums pretty good. Like, um, but if you're not micing them correctly or it's yeah. something you're accustomed to, those drums could like be your worst nightmare. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's sort of the elephant in the room for me is that we love to talk about mic choice. We love to talk about mic choice. We love to talk about, you know, uh, plugins and this and that. Like, if the drum sounds like garbage and yeah. and or the player isn't playing them in a way that's appropriate, it's not going to sound good. And that's that's not in our wheelhouse to fix. You know, I mean, I did a show not too long ago. It was a really nice kit, and we brought some, you know, we, we had it again. You know, we sat down and said, what are we going to do for drum mics? And we, we thought about it, and we brought, and we mic'd the whole thing up. And the guy was just barely touching the instrument all night. He was just the lightest drummer. And, you know, that snare is just not going to have that big, huge, fat rock sound if you're not hitting it. It's not a processing thing. It's just that, you, that sound's not being created. And so, I mean, you're right. I think that's it i think it goes without saying but it shouldn't that yeah. you know we come back to the source here where it's just we're not you know there's no magic happening <laughs> well hopefully it calls for it because i've seen older engineers that have been out with the same group forever compensate microphone placement or even pick because of that compensation you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. You weren't ready for that dude to play super light but if that dude had been on tour with you for a minute and you knew he was going to do that you might did something different you know Mm. yeah and and that that's the key is like if you're the festival guy that just mix in the bands that don't have their own 
guy and it's you all day, it's a crapshoot. But right. hopefully, right. you know, your first representation can last all day and then you're just tweaking from there. Kyle, yeah. do you are, are you um do you play any instruments? Um, that's weird. Uh <laughs> he sings. I I, sing, I yeah, I sing in a metal band real bad, uh from nineteen ninety four. Well no no, no. I, I, I have I have a legitimate reason for asking as well, no, you know. But but I also have a, a drum kit, a keyboard, I know how to play a little bit of guitar, I know how to tune them. I like I've been around them enough. I'm I'm that way with instruments that you guys are with information. Like, I want to know why that thing sounds like that. So yeah, I play, but I'm not good at anything. Can so, we get Can we get some of your music on on the podcast here? Oh uh, yes, a little yeah. snippet. I'll actually. Uh, I'm going to do some tracks uh, next week after next. So yeah, as soon as we get it, you guys can make fun of me because I haven't got one email yet that has totally made fun of me and you you begged it and nobody even did it like everyone's so cool and it's like they don't even mention me they're like oh who's that one guy uh well okay i'm sorry chris i know you, you had a point to make but i I, okay. I think i think we do need to get kyle singing yes. on the podcast to happen. Oh, all right yeah. go ahead i'm done with that yeah <laughs> no you know the reason i ask is because you know a lot of sound engineers are you know failed musicians yes. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> um and uh, although many of them don't like to admit that and um and so i know it's been a thing in the past where or I've seen some people where, you know, where if they used to be a guitar player, if they used to be a drummer, like typically when they mix, you can kind of tell what they used to play because of how they kind of favorite things or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, well, there's two, two sides to this. That's one side of it. And I think for me, I'm not a musician. I've always said that I play the soundboard, right? You know, my, my only instrument is the is the delay, um, delay unit. Um, but, um, you know, I think that I come somewhat unbiased to a mix when, I, when I'm not a musician, you know, because I'm not going to favor one over the other. And I'm not saying that everyone who is a sound guy who used to play something or still play something does favor, but it, it can be a thing. Um, the flip side of that is, though, because I don't play and, you know, because I don't know notes and scales what, and stuff like that. What if you're that, like a, a flute player? Like, yeah. <laughs> you could only mix her like Jethro Tull in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only gig you could get is that one song. Yeah. <laughs> or that, it's that one Marshall Tucker yeah yeah <laughs> um no yeah but it's like so like i i think i'm also at a disadvantage by having by not being a musician in that sometimes if things are slightly out of key or pitches off i mean i sometimes can't tell unless it's really really out of pitch or really out of key or oh, see that annoys in, me it, tempo and pitch annoy the crap out of me like and it's not something i can usually fix but Dude, holy cow. <laughs> Those two things, tempo, because there's click tracks now. Like when we yeah. first started doing this thing, no one had a click track. No one had a metrodome. Like that's a fairly new thing. And uh, holy cow, yeah, if they're pitchy, I'm like cringing. Um, Chris, since you didn't play an instrument and you did monitors for a while, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. 
did you walk out on stage and listen to what it sounded like? For oh them? yeah, oh yeah, all the time. In fact, I, I mean, um, that's why I know a lot of guys. I, I feel so, so, all right. So back up. Yes, I, I would constantly walk out on stage, especially back in the wedge days, uh, to hear what somebody's hearing at that space. Because obviously, you know, once it's being mixed with their guitar cabinet or the drum kit and stuff like that, like it's not the same as what your cue wedge. It's way off stage left or stage right. Um, and I also, I mean, I don't like the, uh, when guys will just accept for whatever cue edge or they put it right up next to the ear and stuff. Like I want to hear it at the same, you know, at, 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 at the floor position, you know, uh, and I'm not going to sit there and listen to it at the same level that the stage is going to be the entire night, but I want that be able to have an accurate representation. And I've seen like some guys like on festivals and stuff and they'll just throw a little, you know, whatever speaker off to the right, you know, up on a rack or something like that. And I just, I don't like that from a cueing standpoint. I like to really feel and hear hear what it what that person's also listening to so yeah no i would absolutely walk the stage right on and you probably know frequency response of instruments and sizes of drums pretty well because you didn't play them because I, I see people that have played instruments eq things out of drums and guitar that need to be there because it's the inherent uh mm. resonant frequency of that thing and uh i i don't know People that haven't played seem to know, oh, the kick drum, 100, 160, that stuff that you always try to dump out, that's pretty much the air it's creating is right mm. there, and you're dumping it. So um, I can see kind of both both aspects. But. Yeah. You know what's no. funny about that, though, Kyle, is you know a good friend of mine is a drummer, and you know we would do some stuff in the studio, and he would, you know, it's it's just the great danger of don't do your sound check, don't go like, okay, give me snare, okay, give me hat. If you if you work on things one at a time, and then you think it's just gonna all gel together in a mix, I mean, you're gonna have a rough night. And you know, solo snare drum, hell of a ring, and that just, you know, it's got this ring, and I'm like, gee, I don't like that ring, and he's like, no, just leave it. And I'm like, you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah, just leave it. And then sure enough, you get that thing in the mix, it's perfect. And then, you know, as an experiment, I kind of went out and I cut the ring out and then the snare drum just disappeared. Into the mix. Yep. <laughs> so, so and, you, I mean, you, the, the, that stuff's, you know, like you said, it's part of the inherent, this is how the instrument sounds. And that's right. kind of looping back to what we were just talking about that, you know, like it or not, that's how the instrument sounds. And, and our job is to make that louder. So you know? that that's a good thing for the younger people out there. So when they come to see a sound check or someone doing a sound check, getting kick drum isn't necessarily the time to eq it it's a time to get the gain for it so right. if you hear someone taking an hour on the kick and snare it's because they're sitting there and eqing the death out of it before they actually heard it with everything else so mm -hmm. uh, i i think hey man kick four times five times get the gain snare four times five times get the gain hi-hat four times mm -hmm. you know and then hey give yep. me kick kick snare hat and then do your eq yep you know uh then move on to Tom one, two, three, four, and then hey, could you give me the whole kit? Uh, that's how I put overheads in too, because I hate when people just <laughs> sit there and bash overheads. That's one of my pet peeves as well. Is like, oh, stage right overhead. And it goes for like twelve times. I'm like, come <laughs> on, bro, it's a trash can lid. All you have to do is work it, nam next to the drum booth for six years, and you'll learn that one. Uh, but yeah, I think. Getting the instrument's gains first, do your high-pass filtering, and then put it all together, that's that's rad. I just hate when it turns into a jam session, and that's one thing that you you run the risk of is like, hey, can I get drums and bass together? Yeah. And um, 
I learned this down the road too. I don't like to blow my mix because I always used to yell at the light guy about blowing their light show before, you know, because they'd be playing through their scenes or whatever while the changeover music's going. And I'm like, hey, man, the audience just saw all your cool scenes before the set even started. Um, same thing with doing sound check through the PA. Like, I'll get the kick drum through the PA for a second. Everyone will do the little cheer thing because they think the band's going to come out, but there's like, psych, just line check. <laughs> and then um, do the rest in my cans. And that way, yeah. you know, especially if you got a quiet stage, then you can just be like, hey, man, drums, bass, bass, guitar, or mm. go. And putting those things together, man, that'll help your, your mix come out of the box better than if you just try to EQ everything during line check. Like, get your gain set, high pass, move on, mm. and then mix. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, and one thing I found myself doing is uh, I, I – I, like to let my monitor engineer run the stage you know like really i'm i'm content to be out at front of house and and deal with it as it comes and so like yeah if if he's going around and doing kick snare hat like i'm grabbing my gains as that goes i try not to ask him to stop i try not to ask him to go back um let's just see you know see what we get and then you know by the time he's gotten everyone's mix built i'm i've kind of got my game structure where it needs to be and then i'm like yeah you know let's let's hear a tune have him play a tune and i'll 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 work on that and you know if we get to the end of that and i need something i'll ask but what i found is just the natural interaction that happens between the monitor engineer and the band like if i if i just kind of passively allow that to happen unless i have a big problem i usually i usually get what i need by the end of that yeah man watch watch your meters get your gains pretty even and then rip yeah no exactly we lost and, Chris. Uh, we did lose Chris. Uh-oh. Uh, you know what? It's it's so funny to me, like, the <laughs> like the the frequency with which technical problems occur when you're trying to do internet podcasts and conference calls and Skypes and all this. It's just like, like, have we had one that didn't screw up at some point? Uh, there was like a nice string of them, I thought, and then all of a sudden it was just like every other time. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the Yakley thing and I was like, oh, that's when I came in. It was like yeah. 30, 39 <laughs> minutes later, I was like, yeah, all right, way to go. <laughs> well, that one was funny because you, you're you're a power is out of your house, right? And, yep. uh, and then you just kind of popped up on the screen like full face like hey and like you could hear the moment when it was because jim totally stopped talking because he was in the middle of the scene so he just stopped because it was just so unexpected that you just popped up and he's like oh look at that that just happened yep. <laughs> and now so, the tail turns <laughs> can um, you he said I, it's on his end he's he yeah all right maybe his internet's out uh-oh i'm gonna send him an emoji here here comes an emoji down the line Coming in. Coming in hot. Yeah. I haven't mixed a show in a while. Like, I did that Anna Crucius thing a couple weeks ago at Del Mar Hall. And, or a couple yeah, that big ago. loud thing. I yeah. don't know how you do it, man. That's, I, uh, man. I would, that's just, that's, that's just the total opposite of the spectrum from the stuff I'm comfortable doing. And I had to do a big metal show. And boy, I was I uncomfortable. Actually, I sent you some pictures from it. There was that, uh, yep. And, and that's that's the thing, dude. Like I played in metal bands and punk rock bands where there was people running across the stage the entire time. Like, and I think that's where I get it from. Like I'm so mellow. It's like nothing's gonna happen. Like this is 
organized chaos and it's, and it's got to be like that. Like, yeah, it, it's actually kind of fun for me. It's actually kind of relaxing for me. I always said if I'd go back on tour, it'd probably be with some crappy band in a van that plays like 200 cap venues where, oh, the drum sets on the floor tonight, guys. Great. <laughs> You know, you know what though? I mean, that that stuff it forces you to get really good really quick because you know, you have to fight for everything. You have crazy bleed and you have such a high stage volume and you have PAs that are, you know, one step above cardboard box signs for a project PA and it's yeah, just man. um, you know, I think you can get spoiled if everything you walk into is perfect, top dollar, you know, top of line gear every night and everything just works, I think that's dangerous. Um, I, I think it's like exhilarating where it creates anxiety for you. It's exhilarating yeah. for me. Like that <laughs> atmosphere of kids just knocking down mic stands the entire night. <laughs> and like, sometimes I'm like, when is that going to happen? Like on the Melissa Etheridge tour, I was like, when is someone going to knock down a mic stand and just lose their shit <laughs> oh yeah it's an adult show i forgot so kyle i think i think that's um it's an important I, I don't know what that says about me like maybe it's because my job is to keep things working and and problem free and your job is to just take the chaos and make you know kind of roll with it <laughs> i think yeah. i think that's why we have such different uh you know like you, the when I, man, you should see the SPL logs from that monitors gig I was running. It was it was so freaking loud on stage. I was sweating, and it was just one of those things where they're like, "Give me more vocal." I'm like, "It's all you got. <laughs> it just doesn't go anymore." <laughs> I had a monitor guy, and I and he used to say, "I'm gonna drive it like a '68 Camaro." <laughs> it was so loud up there. Holy cow! Uh, Loud monitors, I don't know. Sometimes they could be nerve-wracking, but uh, I, I try to get to, to a spot and then just calm it down, calm it down from there. I did a George Clinton show, and they asked for six wireless microphones, and there ended up being like 26 people on stage. And I was like, where are my microphones at? And the, the stage volume was just as loud as you're talking about. Like, I should have done an SPL reading. And... I was like, I don't even know where my microphone's at. And they're asking me to turn stuff up. This is crazy. <laughs> but after it was done, I just kind of laughed. Like the band leader dude was the drummer. So I just smiled at him. I, 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 that was fun. That was interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it could be fun if kind of everyone's like, everyone knows what's going on with it. Um, this, this was a situation where I was, you know, I was kind of the local support monitor guy and they don't know who the heck I am. And, and, you know, I'm just under pressure from the artist management to get more vocal, more vocal, more vocal. And I can, you know, every time I push it up one more dB, you just hear it take off on stage. And and they said, no, 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 don't, don't put EQ. And they don't, you know, she doesn't like the way she sounds with EQ, but turn it up more. I'm like, ah, that's not how it works. So, so, you know, that, that was a situation where I felt like I was kind of in the hot seat and it wasn't really fair. Um, but that's a totally different thing than, you know, you know, I think these, these punk shows where everyone's just like, yeah, man, we're going to just go out and kick ass and just going to rock, you know, like that's, there's that kind of communal, like who gives a shit? And I, that wasn't what I was dealing with at all. <laughs> One of the times I had to deal with an artist who was a, was a pretty soft singer, um, like an R&B uh, female singer. Um, and she just, she needed, she did more level and we, we had a hard time. So we actually went to three wedges. Um, and we put the center wedge in front of her was just her vocal. And then the music was out to her left and right. 
uh, and I was able yeah. to treat them separately, EQ wise and mix wise and level wise, and put just that just a little bit of separation between the music and the vocal allowed me to to punch that through. So there's when it comes to monitors, there's a lot of different little like tricks you can do if you're not in ears, of course, uh, to to yeah. try to to try to get there. So. I, I watch where the singers go. Like if I'm using conventional wedges, I'll watch where they go and stand because that's where the sweet spot is for them. Like that's where they want to hear their voice. So if you got a singer that wanders around and goes to different parts of the stage, usually it's because they want to hear different things at that different time. Um, definitely watch where they stand. Watch where guitar players stand when they do their solo. They'll move back to their amp. Like it, it's almost telltale after a while. And then I, I love the old trick where they're like trying to pull away from their vocal and you turn it down so they get their lips a little bit closer. <laughs> um, that That's a great trick to play at Monitor World. Or you can do the exact opposite if you need them to get off the mic, you know, turn it up and they'll start pulling it away from them. Proving once again that, you know, I've said it for a while, Monitor Engineering is 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 about 90% men mind games. <laughs> Just messing with so people. It's reading, reading their so minds. So speaking of messing with people, so all right, so we were doing a, like a hip-hop R&B uh, a tour, and they have these just massive flown side fills of like Vertec 4889s or whatever, like six aside, wow. you know, just, just Jeez, and then just yeah. like wedges galore across the front of the stage, and they just want it stupid loud, right? And so uh and they're used to uh knowing that things are at their um at their loudest when they're clipping out from like listening to your car or the home stereo and if like hey if that like speaker's farting out like i'm i'm at a point of like hey that's as loud as it could be where if it sounds really pristine they think there's more gas to give and so we actually even messed around with actually throwing distortion like actually through the mix uh put some distortion on the on the mix um uh, and to add some distortion to it to make it sound like it was breaking up a little bit, but not actually damaging the driver uh, to fool them into thinking that they were at that point. Good idea. Wow. Wow. Kid, man. Kids at home. Don't try this <laughs> on your next gig. But Yeah. That's a there's, good idea. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting. There's some psychological, there's a psychological basis for that that says, you know, uh, it, it perceptually it doesn't sound as loud to me because it's clean, you know, and, and, you know, THD, we associate, we associate that distortion with like this thing's working too hard. So that's, that's a really interesting idea. And I have to say, um, I've been trying out this new product with, uh, one of the artists I mix. He, uh, he plays guitar in, in a rock band and he's got direct amp. And so his amp doesn't produce any actual acoustic sound, you know, in the room. It's all through the DI, through his ears. Um, and so he works, you know, really close with me to get his mix the way he wants it. And, you know, I do a little bit of kind of bumping ambience up and ambience down and, and kind of juggling it to kind of keep him comfortable. And we've been trying out this new system by ASI Audio. It's called the 3D Me IEM system. And basically, it's it's based on the Sensophonics, uh, the ambient technology. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys yeah. dealt with it, but yeah. The, it, yeah. So it's the same idea for the listeners who don't know what it is. There's there's little microphones that are built into the in-ear monitor earpieces, and then there's a knob on the belt pack. You can mix that ambient sound back into the mix. And these also have a limiter on the pack, which is really nice because he's older and he's got some hearing loss. Um, so we could put a limiter on there so he doesn't keep turning his pack up to the point that he's damaging his hearing. And, you know, I... I put them on him at a rehearsal and I just said, just do a couple songs of them. And, and then, you know, we'll talk about it. And after the first song he came over to me and he said, 
um, we have to buy these. I don't ever want to play without these again. And it was just such a, you know, it was amazing to watch him. You know, I took all the drums out of his ears mix. And so he just had the acoustic drums in the space. Um, and it was, I mean, it was incredible. He was more animated and he was more immersed. He, I, I kind of saw him wandering around the space, kind of poking his head into different, just to see what kind of the spatial you know, acoustics were of the rehearsal space and kind of walking around. And that's something that, you know, the in-ears mix was really big and really sparkly and really kind of, you know, uh, wide sounding, but it it doesn't react like that. It doesn't follow you. It doesn't image when you turn your head. And so I think that imaging that came back to him, he was just way more immersed because it started reacting again like it, it used to when you were, you know, on on wedges, which is how he grew up playing. And, and so... Um, that's something that, you know, from a technical standpoint, I said, yeah, I see why that's a cool idea, but I guess I really didn't understand until I tried it with an artist how powerful something like that can be to give them, you know, that accurate imaging in their ears where when they're turning their head, the, you know, the drum kit behaves like they think it would, and now it's behind you because I'm facing away. And and it was really remarkable to watch his uh, body language uh, during the rehearsal once he could hear himself the way he wanted to. It was pretty wild. Yep. And that's um, the Miss Cleo monitor moment right there, for sure. Like, you're just trying to predict what's going to happen by the way he's listening now. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah, the 3D technology, I think, is going to be even more prevalent. I mean, obviously, Clang came out with it a, a, about three or four years ago, and it's insane. I mean, you put those things on, and like you said, you turn, and the drum kit turns. So... Um, being stuck at one position or that one static ear mix that you have uh, isn't a thing anymore. Uh, yeah. You know so, what's funny though? Because I put it on, because <laughs> it's funny because the drummer said, oh man, if he's going to buy one, I'm going to have to buy one. I said, well, why don't no. you put it on? You know, so I, I, put new, <laughs> I put new tips on it for him and I said, try this. And he hated it. Yeah. And the reason he, well, exactly because he goes, oh, I don't like the way the drums sound. I go, well, that's your actual drum sound. That's, <laughs> that's what your drums sound like when you're sitting in front of them, you know? Um, now, now you know and, what and I hear. In, in, <laughs> right, right. Yep. In the ears, I've built a big studio quality, you know, that large, like I like to call them the Nickelback drums. If you listen to a Nickelback record, there's no drum set in the world that that sounds like that. That's not how drums sound, you know right. what I mean? But but that's what we've come to expect in certain genres. And so that's what I've done in the console to get that in, in their ears. And so when that went away and he was listening to the acoustic drums in the room, he was like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. Yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> I thought that was a, a funny uh, you know thing where he kind of prefers the larger than life version that, that we created. The art of mixing for sure. There I, it is, I, man. I, I love both sides of the snake. I really do like they come with the cool challenges. Chris, I'm sure you did it a bunch when you were at MSI, but like the festival show monitor guy. If if oh, I actually like that. that is I do too. And I I don't even mind doing patch. Like I feel like it's my stage. You know what I mean? That's my deck. Well, like yeah. that guy that guy's telling you he's the stage manager. He's not really a stage manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. No, I mean, one of the things that I missed was like, so I used to do a lot of, um, I, I th you know, I, I keep thinking about this. I think R&B is probably my favorite type of music to mix just because I think because of the instrumentation, there's so much of it. Uh, and typically the musicianship level is just, just through the roof. And so, you know, we would do like these, um, they weren't festivals, but like, you know, the local R&B promoter would be doing like Gerald Levert and, um, and, uh, 
um, Smokey Robinson, Lakeside, you know, you know, just like you know, a bunch <laughs> of like you know, three, four, and typically talking three to four at least uh, acts a night, you know, on an analog desk. So you're doing like a, either like a PM five thousand, PM four K, or something like that, H three thousand, and you are doing nothing but turning knobs all night long. Uh, and it, and it, and I like it's like this dance across the back back and forth in the desk that I actually really I like that like you know that undivided attention I'm, I'm making twelve mixes all at the same time and you need this and you need this and you need this you know and other guys look at me like man that looks like it's you know a nightmare I'm like no no like I this is I don't know I love this like I love that direct feedback and once you get it and they're happy with it you know whereas you know you got all these opinions and assholes out of front of house and girlfriends and and why you know boyfriends or whatever hey, you know I can't hear so so it's like ah no, no, <laughs> No, I, I got my people on the stage. If they're happy, I'm happy. You know, uh, yeah. Right, right. You know what, though? The flip side of that, have you ever done a festival where you had acts on stage who were not used to having a monitor engineer? Have you ever had that? Because that is a trip, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had that you have too. to explain. Yeah, you got to explain every band that comes out. Uh, they keep asking for stuff up front. And I'm like, look, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always have like the the introduction at Monitor World because that's what I did in Vegas mostly. Mm. Like when I was just playing around, is I do monitors because I didn't have to walk through the crowd. Yeah, I just dealt with the artists all day. It was so much easier than doing that at a pool slash venue, whatever the case may be. Um, and I'd, I'd introduce myself. I'd be like, "Hey, I'm Kyle. I'm your actual monitor engineer. I'm over here. I can turn things up and down. I'll grab your RF mics." Um, I'll give you about three songs and then I'm going to be looking at my phone. Don't take it personally. <laughs> um, but we did festival shows like that too, where it was like, oh, Z100 presents every band from 1970s at the, <laughs> at the skating rink. And I tell you what, I had so much fun at those shows. Like, uh, like I said, at some point you're like, screw that guy with the clipboard. I'm the stage manager. Like, uh, well, it's kind of like run your house, though. Yeah. You know, I, I I appreciate that. You know, run your house, run your deck. I mean, I I I I, I when I have to hire monitor guys, I I call the best monitor engineers that I know won't take ownership. That's your that's your stage. You know, call me if you need something. But I mean, I I want someone to go get in there and do that and make the decision and and take care of it. Run your house. You know, I think it's I think it's great. And and I want someone to say, you know, hey guys. You know, when you're done, let's let's get these dead cases out of the way. I mean, like there's some stage management in there, but I, I want to see someone take ownership of that and and run a clean stage and keep things on time. And uh, it, it, I think it really helps um, in terms of interacting with the artists. You know, if, if you're out there having those conversations with him uh, rather than, you know, kind of grunting, you know, if the first time the artists have interaction with you is during sound check, I, th I think there's his own kind of batch of problems that can come with that, you yeah. know. Build your minions too. Like grab yeah. your, grab your stagehands that you're going to use for the day. You know, introduce your all day dudes. Be like, hey man, you're working with me today. Don't worry about that stage manager guy. <laughs> you see what Remind me to this? never be an SM on show. You're working. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just like you said. I like owning it because I think at front yep. house you kind of like own it, but that's you just turn around and looking at the crowd like, yep, that's me. That's my <laughs> yeah. kick. That's my kick drum. <laughs> so so kyle this would be a slight deviation from the art of mixing but have you ever challenged an artist you've been working with as to as to what their hearing is or how their hearing is oh yeah i'm, so, I'm only setting this up because i have and I'll, I'll tell you my experience but i want to see if you if you had done this before well i've done a couple things like that before so basically the transition from conventionals to ears and that's been 
difficult with some and it was easier with other folk, you know? A lot of people, some people were really willing to try it because either they were hurting at the end of the show and they needed it to save their voice or save, you know, but that's the only time I've really done any kind of tell them about their hearing type thing uh, is, hey man, when I'm mixed in front of house, like you guys would be on ears, that'd be great. <laughs> and, and when I'm at Monitor World, you know, doing the wean off, like you're, you got conventionals and ears. That's the only time that I could really say that I told my artists about the, what they were hearing. So I, I made the mistake of challenging someone one time. Mind you, I, I was young. I mean, I was probably only like, you know, 19 or whatever. Uh, on my, like my third tour. Um, and I was working for a tap dancer. Uh, and um, and so he had this setup that, you know, again, I didn't get to pick the setup, right? So uh, uh, he had three, so he had this stage deck that we traveled with that was like eight feet deep by um like 24 feet wide that he would tap on right um and he had three uh three uh Meyer ums around you know one down center one off stage left one stage right like right by the deck and then he had four upas on sticks either four corners so he had, he had seven mixes for himself wow right and then those UPAs aren't no joke either. <laughs> and then behind him was a small orchestra. Uh, and so he would do like these like classical uh, songs and stuff and, and, and tap with them anyway. And he liked it really effing loud. Uh, like he wanted his taps to be just ear bleedingly loud in his wedges. And he wanted this, you know, open mic orchestra behind him ripping in his wedges as well. So it, it was a feat in and of itself to get to the level he wanted. And he had a nickname for feedback. He called it feedy. He's like, you know, you, you hear Feedy? You hear Feedy? I'm like, no, no, yeah. Anyway, so, and we would record the show every night, right? And we, you know, it'd always be slightly of a struggle to, uh, to get to the levels he wanted to. And, and he would, he would give me feedback to set and the other. And, uh, but halfway through the tour, I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm going to talk to him. I'm like, you know what? I said, hey, do you think maybe that by the end of the night, it's so loud that your ears are ringing? And that's what the, fee- that, that's the feedback that you're hearing. <laughs> And I said, because, uh, <laughs> and I, and, and I, I meant it in the most sincere way. And I'm like, cause I'm like, I've listened back to the recording and like, I don't hear the feedback. And I'm like, Hey, here, here's the disc from this night. You can listen to it and let me know. But there's, I don't think there's any feedback on there. I, th- I think your ears might be ringing by the end of the night. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll think about that. He comes back in the next morning and uh, I was like, huh, you know, not, not thinking much of it. And he proceeds to rip me an effing new one. <laughs> oh, and uh, oh, no. he's like, you know, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. You know, it's like, you don't challenge my hearing. Blah, 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 this, I mean, like, just ripped me apart. And um, and so since then, I've never questioned anyone's hearing. But uh, I'm still pretty sure I was right. But it's all good. <laughs> I mean, I think this goes into the... And this might be a good a good way to wrap up because this is a conversation I was having with a friend of mine today. You know, what do you do in these situations when people say, yeah, I understand why you're asking for the RF antennas to have line of sight to the stage, but, you know, we're not going to do that. You know, you get your hand forced in these ways that are, are problematic. Um, you know, I, I, I think what I've found to be most successful is, Yes, that's your decision to make as production manager or or whatever your your role is, you know, the person that's making this call, but it's my professional responsibility to make you aware of the consequences of that decision. Right. So, if you say no, I don't want to see paddles on stage, I can say okay, but you know, let me explain to you why I do that. And then when the wireless takes a hit during the show, you can say, remember we talked about the paddles. And so like, yeah, you can, you know, make your own bed and then lie in it, I think. You know, I I I think 
you have to, you know, you can't go get into a pissing match with the people that 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 have the ability to make the call. They're going to make the call, but I just want to, I want them to either make an informed decision, or I want, I want it, you know, I want there to have been that interaction where I said, hey, this is the consequences of this thing you're talking about. And so when that does happen later, you know, it's it's a lot harder to fry me for it. Now I could still get fried for it, but I said my bit, and sometimes they go, oh, I didn't realize that, and okay, maybe we shouldn't do it. Maybe we should find a different way to do it. So so I think. You know, the way I found around those types of situations like you're talking about, Chris, is to just say, okay, um, here, here's why I think this is happening and here's, here's what I would do. Or if you want to do it this way, here are some of the problems that might arise from that and then let them make the decision. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, uh, and tacos. Tacos. And tacos. <laughs> like I said earlier, did we all ate before this episode? I got a big box of crackers right here. I'm having Cheez-Its. You can hear hear that. <laughs> I'm going to eat again. So I'm going to be doing something, I think, um, March 27th, 28th, and 29th. And I so wish you could have joined me, Michael, because like, we had so much fun last last time we were there together. And Chris, like, if we can do it one of these years. But I really got into doing these uh, AES events. And, oh, you're going to be at Webster again? Yeah, man. So I'll be at Webster University. I, I just got put on some panels, not not the ones I really, really, really wanted to be on because Sunday morning storytelling is always the best. Oh, we had fun. Um, but I, I definitely encourage, like, if you guys have an AES chapter in the neck of your woods, check it out. Um, when When I first started doing those things, there wasn't many live folk at all. It was a lot of recording, broadcast, those kind of interesting people. But now that there's been a lot of live programs opening up uh, colleges across America, um, now now you guys might have an AES chapter. So check it out. It's March 27th, 28th, 29th, Webster University. Uh, it's the Midwest Student Summit. Done it for a few years. Hopefully we can get out and see if uh, one of these AES groups will invite us to come out and sit and do a panel and podcast at their fine university. So if you're listening. Oh, yeah. Give us a call. Yeah. Send us an email. What? Signal number two noise podcast at gmail.com. And I think, Kyle, don't you have a fancy new email address? I do. Churnside at prosoundweb.com. Man, that's fancy. That's Super fancy. fancy. Keith hooked me up. <laughs> like one day done. He was like, Yeah, yes, Mr. Rogan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I you know what? I did get invited to go back to, to the AES Webster this year, Kyle, but I have to be at USITT, which is like two days after that. Um, I'm gonna be at the Rational Acoustics booth. So anyone that's that's at, at USITT this year, come by and say hello. Which and, is a uh, we'll, killer convention, getting dude, so fun. We'll send some some selfies to Kyle if anybody comes by to see me. Yes, dude, I I might see <laughs> if I can jump on that afterwards. USITT is fun. Man. It's good. We're going to be in Houston this year, uh, and Chris from Rational has uh, set up an opportunity for me to go have Korean barbecue. He's been speaking very highly of it. So you know we'll we'll get some we'll get some food talk on about that after the trade show. Everyone can hear what I thought about the Korean barbecue. So any suggestions? Email them in. Um, Everybody, thanks for listening. Like, it's crazy yeah. that we're uh, reaching this many folks. Give us a shout. Um, Sp- spread the word. Tell people about it. Yeah. Boys Absolutely. Night Out. That was it. Boys Night yeah. Out. We'll have to do Absolutely. it again. Absolutely. Do us more yeah. often. Yeah.